Last week, Pastor Mark started a sermon series, which was which is just going to be a few weeks of our vision as a church. It's a, an appropriate way of starting in this new year, 2022. And as he said last, last week um, uh, in the message called Why Church, and again, I agree with Paul, if you haven't had a chance to hear it, uh, you can easily find that on our website or on our podcast. Um, I encourage you to do so. But it, it talked about how we as a church and God's people have always been called to gather in faith together with the Lord to follow him and to be where God demonstrates his presence to the world. And so today uh, I'll be continuing this series on the topic of discipleship with you. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on the foundational goal of what discipleship uh, is according to scripture, which is uh, that we would be made into the image of Christ. And today we're going to dig a little more into how the scriptures talk about discipleship And we'll get into some of the specifics regarding how we at Fellowship are approaching discipleship, uh, some of the changes that we may uh, be making over the the next year to try to align ourselves with Scripture in the coming year. So uh, we definitely need the Lord's help. I know I do. So let's let's pray together, ask the Lord to lead, lead us during this time. Lord God, I submit myself to you and to the authority of your word. I pray that you would teach us, Lord, um, about who you are and about who we are to be as a people. We thank you, Lord, for calling us to know you, for giving us all that we need. Lord, it's all found in you, and you have generously provided all that we need so that your, your mission, your purposes can be fulfilled in us. And that's, that's, Lord, what we're asking for. Just like our Lord taught us to pray, Lord, our prayer is, let your will be done just like it is in heaven, in our individual lives, in our lives as a church, uh, throughout the world. Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are. Um, I don't know how often you think about this, but here we are. We're a local church that, uh, that the incredible, eternal God of the universe has ordained that we would exist here at this time. It's, it's pretty great. It's pretty awesome to think that scriptures talk about what it means to be a local church. Uh, it's a pretty awesome thing that we get to be a part of and realize that we weren't the inventors of the church. It actually came uh, from God's heart, from God's mind. And so I'd like to start today by looking at our, at our mission statement for Fellowship Church And this statement, a lot of prayer and study of scripture went together with the church together several years ago. And this mission statement states why we believe that God has us here. And you've already heard this mission statement reference today. It says this, we at Fellowship Church, we exist to pervade the back mountain, Wyoming Valley, and the world with the gospel by making disciples who make disciples and who display the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in every phase of their lives. This is why we believe that God has us here, this mission. So just read that over and think about that for a little bit. One of the things I really appreciate about this mission statement is how God-centered it is. You notice that we exist to make disciples, yes, but the disciples exist to bring glory to the Lord, to display the glory of the Lord Jesus in all that we do. And that fits into what scripture says about his church, 
Ephesians 3.10, it says that the church, through the church, God is displaying his manifold wisdom to the heavenly realms. And so this is fitting that a local church would say part of our mission is to display the glory of the Lord, display the glory of the Lord Jesus. Because scripture tells us this is what God wants to do. This is what he is doing, is displaying his glory. That is really our ultimate mission, is to bring glory to the Lord. So let's think about what it means to make disciples who make disciples. That's an important part of this statement as well. We believe that this is our mission as a church, that we would make disciples who make disciples. So this begs the question, what exactly is a disciple? If this is our mission and what we believe God has called us to for as long as he would have us exist, we need to understand what a disciple of Jesus is and how does scripture define it? Well, we did uh, recently talk about uh, Romans 8 um, and, and the way that God has called us to be conformed into the image of his son. But in Luke 9, Jesus gives a description of the mindset of a disciple. Jesus gives us a working definition of what discipleship is about. It's found in Luke 9, verses 23 and 24. And Jesus says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it or will save it. So what is Jesus saying here about discipleship? A disciple is one who, who is base, basically, you can paraphrase it as a follower of Christ, someone who is disciplined to follow Christ with their life. A disciple of Jesus, according to Jesus, means stop living for yourself, live for Jesus instead, and do this every single day. Deny yourself. Deny yourself the prerogative of living by your own priorities. Instead, make the uncomfortable choice, the unnatural choice of living for Jesus, even if it feels like it goes against the very grain of your natural self. Pick up your cross and take the hard road of following Jesus for his sake. And then tomorrow, be prepared to do it all over again. This is how Jesus describes being his disciple. Renew this commitment day after day after day. Stop living for yourself, live for Jesus, and be ready to renew that commitment again tomorrow. Jesus says this is how we go after him. It's not just about a set of beliefs or fitting into a system of any sort. To be a disciple of Jesus is really to follow the person of Jesus day after day after day. In Philippians 3, there's this section in verses 8 through 12 where you see the Apostle Paul describing the driving passion of his heart as a disciple of Jesus. Here's what, it, here's what he said in Philippians 3, verse 8. It's on the screen. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake... <clears throat> For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Listen to the driving passion of Paul's heart in this passage. I've just got to know Christ. I I, I just wonder the emotion he had as he was writing that. I must know Christ. It's worth everything to me. Everything else is worthless compared to this. I must know Christ. This was the driving passion of his heart as a disciple. I'll give up everything for it. I expect I'm going to suffer for it. I expect I have to die to myself. But I also expect to experience fellowship and closeness with Jesus as I do. I expect to experience resurrection from the dead. This is worth everything to me. It's the passionate cry of Paul's heart to know Christ and not live for himself anymore to deny himself everything else, to pick up his cross, to fix his eyes on Christ, and to follow Christ. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to be ready to wake up and do it all over again. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to just pause here for a minute to ask you to reflect personally. Have you lost that driving passion of your heart to know Christ, so, so much so that it's more important to you than absolutely anything else. I wonder if there's some of us who, who feel like we had that in the past, but maybe recently that's not where our heart is. There's nothing more important than knowing Christ. Maybe you used to have that driving passion of your heart and somewhere along the way, you kind of forgot about the daily part that you had, to, you had to pick up your cross the next day and the next day and the next day. You see, we're, we're all kind of the same. We are all the same in, in the sense that we have a sinful nature and we tend to make things about ourselves. We can even make following Jesus about ourselves. That's how selfish we are. We can think that the reason we follow Jesus is so that I find fulfillment so that I am self-actualized to my fullest potential. What a selfish way to follow Christ. We don't follow Jesus for us. We don't even follow Jesus for the world. We follow Jesus for Jesus because he's worth everything to us. It's for his glory. When I'm rescued from sin and God gives me salvation through his son, who gets glory for that? It's not me. It's him. My salvation is for his glory, not for my self-fulfillment. Somewhere along the way, you may have started to think of your walk with Jesus 
as being about you. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's not about fulfilling ourselves. In fact, it's the opposite of that. Following Jesus is about denying ourselves, not chasing after whatever our hearts desire. Following Jesus is giving every ounce of your strength and yourself to knowing Christ, to fellowship with him, to becoming like him, and to glorify him with your life. We are disciples for Christ and for his glory. My salvation is not for me, ultimately. My salvation is for him. It displays how great and awesome and merciful and powerful and holy he is. That's our privilege, that Jesus gets to show off to the universe how great he is by our salvation. It's for him. That is the mindset of a disciple, that Christ is everything to us. And the irony is, based on what Jesus said, is if you lose everything for that, for his sake, you'll end up finding it. But if you hold on to other things instead of that, in the end, you end up with nothing. Knowing Christ is everything. If in any way you feel like you've lost that driving passion of your heart to follow Jesus, let me just say, as a fellow sinner saved by grace and a minister of the gospel, let me just tell you, don't be discouraged. Because the Holy Spirit is really good. He's really good at renewing hearts. So turn to him and ask him to renew that passion of your heart to know Christ over everything else. This is what it means to be a disciple. He's so gracious and merciful, and he's really good at renewing our strength. To be a disciple means to die to ourselves, to make him our everything daily, day after day after day. And it means we have to be prepared to do that again tomorrow. So let's look at some critical components of discipleship as described in Scripture and what true discipleship has to look like. Discipleship is to be saturated, first of all, with the Word of God, with His truth. John 8 31, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. By the way, if you quote this verse, can you please include the first part? It's not just the truth will set you free. It is, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He is saying, my disciples will know the truth and my disciples will be free because they know the truth. This is God. This is Jesus talking about the freedom of his disciples as his word and his truth take root in our lives. Second Timothy 3 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. True discipleship will always be filled with a good understanding of God's word, learning how to handle it rightly. And you see, this is more than just checking a box and saying, we believe the Bible. It's more than just lip service to the Bible. It's about abiding in the Bible, it says. 
if you abide in my word. And it's about God's word abiding in us. It's not just about reading the Bible, even. It's about opening your life and let the Bible read you, so to speak. It's about letting God's word correct us, letting God's word train us, letting God's word equip us and and prepare us for what he has. It's letting God's word train us toward maturity, toward the image of Christ. And you know, we live in a world right now where a deficient understanding of the Bible, it's just not going to cut it. A proper understanding of doctrine and theology and being able to answer hard questions and understand how the whole scriptures are put together. This is, this is all, uh, it's always been a part of proper discipleship, but now more than ever, we live in a world that's attacking truth in our culture. Even the idea of what truth is, is being attacked. Discipleship needs to be filled with solid, systematic, robust understanding of the word. So that we'll be thoroughly equipped to live in our culture today. It can't be just haphazard. Where you just grab a Bible verse from this page and that'll be my verse of the day. And then maybe tomorrow I'll flip through and grab another Bible verse from another page. There's, it, there, it's not that that is wrong or, or sinful, but we need to have a robust understanding of God's word that goes deeper than that. The whole story of scripture, how it all fits together. This is discipleship. It's a critical component of discipleship that it's saturated with a, a good understanding of his word and letting his word abide in us. A second component of good discipleship is that it be transformational if we're going to obey what the scriptures call us to. Again, remember in Romans 8, which I talked about a couple weeks ago, it says that God has a plan and a purpose to conform his people into the image of his son. This is what he's doing. It's, when we think of discipleship, sometimes we think about information. That it's just going to classes and getting information. It's about transformation into the image of Christ. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, these are pretty famous verses. Jesus talked to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is why some of the language of this great commission is reflected in our mission statement as a local church. But this great commission in some church backgrounds, and maybe you've been a part of it, it can be oversimplified to be, yeah, that Matthew 28 passage, that's where Jesus tells us to get people saved. But it's interesting as you look at it, it doesn't say get people saved. It says to make disciples. And a disciple will be fully trained and conformed into the image of Christ throughout their life. We have a mission of making disciples who are taught to observe, Jesus says, all that he commanded. And that word observe means to obey. So it's more than just getting people to sign on the dotted line or change their eternal status. We praise God when that happens. But it's about learning all that Christ taught and observing it and obeying it. This is biblical discipleship. 
In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it says, We all with unveiled faces, we are beholding the glory of the Lord, and we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Discipleship has to be more than information. Biblical discipleship has to be about transformation of who we are. And the third component of biblical discipleship reflected, you can see it reflected also in our mission statement. Biblical discipleship will be reproducing. It will be about disciples growing and making other disciples. God has a a great mission of bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. In Acts 1.8, he said, the Holy Spirit will strengthen you as you do this. The way that God is sending out his gospel to the ends of the earth is through disciples making disciples. With each disciple empowered by the Holy Spirit. So just as each one of us continues to be discipled, every one of us, for the rest of our lives, unless, of course, you're already fully conformed into the image of Christ. Anyone? So it's, it's an ongoing process for all of us. But just as every one of us will continue to be discipled, every every believer is also continuing to be involved in making disciples all the way to the end of your life. There was this uh, funny moment at one of our pastor's conferences where someone was speaking at at our district conference for the EFCA and one of the speakers, he said, if you are a, a pastor and you're over 60 years of old, stand up. And he had a whole bunch of them stand up there. And he wanted to give them a word of encouragement. He, he said, God's not done with you. God is working through you. God is making disciples through you. He looked at one guy right in the front and he said, your job is not done. And the guy went, oh, like he made this no, audible noise, just like gulp. Um, Because he might have been thinking about, you know, it's about time. Not just, I'm not talking about retirement vocationally. But our ministry of making disciples will go on through all of our years until the Lord calls us home. In various capacities, it'll change. Sometimes it might be vocationally. Sometimes it might be, it might look different and have different time commitments. But we're all involved in discipleship. That's just how God is working. I won't ask you who are over 60 to stand. But God is not done with you. God is working in you and through you to make disciples who make disciples. This mission that God has, it multiplies, it reproduces. Second Timothy 2.2, Paul tells Timothy, well, you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, this is the way it works. This is the pattern. In Titus, you can read chapter 2 and hear these admonitions to the older men and to the older women of the way that they are to invest in those who are younger than they are. This is the biblical model of disciples making disciples. So to summarize where we are so far, disciples are to deny themselves, to follow Christ with everything they have, Every day, disciples of Jesus are called to pursue Jesus, to desire knowledge of him, fellowship with him above everything else. And biblical discipleship needs to be saturated with the word 
transformational of people and reproducing as disciples make disciples. So it's a pretty tall order as scripture describes it. So here's a critical question. How is this going to happen? What is God's design for how and where this discipleship will take place? And the answer is in the community of the local church. And I personally believe this strongly, but it's not about what I personally believe. Search the scriptures and see that God's design that we trust in for discipleship is that discipleship will take place in the united community of the local church. This is so important and it often gets missed. It's so common to think about discipleship. If you start talking to somebody about, hey, have you ever been discipled? A lot of times you'll get, well, yeah, when I was, when I was a young man, uh, you know, there's this one guy, he said, hey, you want to be discipled? And I was like, okay, great. And we met for coffee and, we, we, and he, he taught me things. There's nothing wrong with that. Please hear me. There's nothing wrong with that. But we might think of it as just this optional enrichment activity that some people are interested in and other people are not. Did you have those in school, the, op, the enrichment activities? Like when you got a math worksheet, you had section A, section B, section C, and then there's, it said enrichment, and there were those problems at the bottom. And you ask your teacher, do I have to do these? And the teacher would say, no, 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 that's enrichment. You don't need to do those. So that's how I heard it. If it's enrichment, that means optional. That means it's not really that important. Maybe if I really feel like doing some extra math problems, I'll just do it. And maybe I'll learn something from doing it. We tend to think of discipleship as that kind of optional enrichment. You know, some people are into that, and some people aren't, and that's okay. And then when it happens, we can make it just, well, what what did you do when you met with that guy and talked with him? Well, I don't know, whatever he wanted, whatever he felt like talking about. That can be very valuable, but what if that person uh, is, is a heretic? Like, that's not good. You're sitting and having coffee with someone who doesn't believe the truth about Jesus. You know, we shouldn't think of discipleship as, if you're into it, you can read an extra book, or you can do an enrichment activity, or maybe you can meet with someone. You just sort of make it up as you go along for personal development, if you're interested. But God's workplace for making disciples who make disciples is in the spiritual community of the local church. Because that's where he put the different parts of the body to function together, to make it complete. Let me show you what I mean. Romans chapter 12, we have a passage that's pretty similar to Luke 9. Luke 9, Jesus said, if anyone uh, would come after me, he would deny himself. So he's, he's talking about dying to self in order to follow him. And Romans 12 starts the same way. It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So the context of Romans 12 is to offer your life, to die to yourself and offer your life to follow Jesus. So this is a passage on discipleship. And then in those very next verses, he says this, for by the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. In other words, right after this call to die to yourself and to give your life to Christ, it says we worship God by being humble and living in unity with believers who are different than you are. In fact, it says you are members one of another. Another way to think of that is by God's design, you belong to each other. You are to take responsibility for each other. This is how you offer your life as an act of worship. You belong to them, and they belong to you. And the rest of this chapter, I I really wish I had more time to just go through this. Please read it on your own. Romans 12 just describes this Christian community, this amazing picture of what this Christian community looks like. In 1 Corinthians 12 Verse 12, it says that for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. In other words, God has designed the the church as a body with many parts, and each part is responsible to the others for the edification, for building them up, for loving them. In Galatians 6, it says when someone in the community is is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual, you can't just turn away and and say, gosh, that guy's messed up. Not my problem. No, Galatians 6, it says, if you see someone caught in a sin, a brother of yours, you who are spiritual, you've got to go after them. But be careful so that you don't fall too. So it's instructing them to humbly help those who are caught and in trouble. There's a responsibility that we take for each other. This is God's design of the local church at work. In Ephesians 4, which uh, Pastor Nick read before, read this. God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. See, there's, there's that discipleship again. It says, to the measure and the stature are the fullness of Christ. This is a passage about being discipled into the image of Christ. And, and how does it work? There's a description for how it works. It's for the church, for the saints, to do the work of the ministry, to edify one another, to build one another up, into the fullness of Christ. This is discipleship. They're saying that the body of Christ, that is all believers, is to build up the body of Christ toward maturity and the image of Christ. God gave leaders to the community, and they have a role given to them by God. And that's important. But the leaders are not called to be the ones to make all the disciples. The leaders have a role to equip the saints and all of us together make disciples of one another. This is the description of the body of Christ and discipleship occurring within. Discipleship is not a project for the pastors to do. It's a a role that we have 
to encourage all of us toward this shared project. It's a group project. I don't know if you hate those, but this is a truly a group project, something that God has called us to, where each part is important. Each different part of the body is important. The diversity of our gifts is part of God's design to accomplish this. And so we have to accept this design by faith that we are made to be a part of the body of Christ where each part cares for and nourishes and loves every other person. Because it's not up to us how discipleship works. God has already designed it. He's already built it. He's already provided all the gifts that are needed. So in faith, we have to respond to what he has given us. If we are serious about making disciples of Jesus, this is our mission. Then by faith, we have to accept discipleship according to the way that God has designed for it to take place. And how is that? It's in the spiritual community of the local church. This is why, by the way, we receive new members up here. In the front, it's not just about paperwork and getting their, their name and address on our file. When we have new members, we, we have them up here in the front because you're all a part of that. We're saying those, those new members, they belong to us and we belong to them. We're saying we're committing to one another. We're taking responsibility for one another. This is why we have baptisms right up here in our service in the front of the church. Not all churches do it that way. We think it's important because as that believer is baptized, all of us are involved in some way in the encouragement and the discipleship of that person. And we say, that's, that's one of ours. We take responsibility for them. We love them. We're going to continue to invest in their life. This is why we have child dedications up front here in our services. So we're saying, parents, you are not alone. We are with you. No matter what you're going through, we are with you. And it sends a message to the kids even. The kids, this is a group project. We, we love you. We take responsibility for you. This is why we have communion together. We're saying we're united as one body of Christ with one Savior and one gospel. This is why we commission Kayla today here as a part of our worship service. She belongs to us, and we belong to her. And Kayla, I want you to know, as you grow in the Lord, we're with you. We're with you every day for the next two years. We're with you. We take a responsibility for one another. And as one part grows, we all rejoice. We all grow. We're all blessed by it. As one part suffers, we suffer together. We minister to one another. As we serve, we're united together because this is God's design for discipleship. In John 13, Jesus was talking to his disciples more about discipleship. And he was talking about after he would return to the Father, probably a scary topic for them. And Jesus said to them, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus, again, he's Lord. 
He is the one who connected discipleship to loving one another. The evidence that we are truly his disciples is our love for one another. You can be a disciple of something different, but if you're a disciple of Jesus, you'll grow in love because that's who he is. The evidence that we are his disciples is that we are more loving as the years go on. That we're more merciful, that we're more gracious, that we're more gentle, that we are more forgiving, that we are more truthful, that we are more encouraging, that we are more like Christ. This is the evidence that we are his disciples. The proof of our discipleship is our love. And the place to demonstrate that love best is when you're connected together in community with people who are different than you are. What we really want to see develop here more and more in this church community is a loving disciple-making culture within our church where it's totally normal for somebody to love someone else and to invest their life into them. It's just a normal thing. We don't even think twice about seeing somebody investing their life into somebody else and, and encouraging them in their walk with the Lord and equipping them. There are a lot of incredible, what I call pockets of discipleship within our fellowship. There's a lot of places where you see spiritual growth happening. Spiritual growth, to some degree, happens in our worship services and happens in our various ministry meetings. And there's some offline uh, discipleship that happens. It's really powerful, really great stuff. Um, There's a lot of places where people are growing. But our vision is that we would tie it all together to be an intentional disciple-making community where everyone is involved together. Because this, again, is how God designed it the church, to function. You see, there are a lot of different approaches to discipleship. I said before, some people just think of it as a a one-on-one optional activity. You know, if you want to grow as a disciple, it's individual enrichment. It's just you and God. And again, you can grow spiritually if you just go off by yourself and don't talk to anybody and read your Bible. You You can grow in many ways spiritually. But it's incomplete. It could be so much more. You might have that one-on-one mentorship. I've had that a couple times in my life. One-on-one mentorship. But sometimes those kind of relationships that I had were totally separated from my own local church. Independent from the rest of the church community. Nobody really knew what was going on. It was valuable. I, I I gained some real understanding and I grew. But it could be so much more. Some, sometimes you can approach discipleship as just the large group. You know, we think of teaching on Sunday morning. This is our discipleship. We have one talking person and a whole bunch of recipients of that message. And this is good. We believe this is good and important, but it can't be all of it. We could have isolated subgroups within the church that each function independently of one another. And discipleship can happen in each of those places. And again, that's good but it could be so much more. Our vision for discipleship as a church 
is we are seeking to bring together the individual, the one-on-one mentorship, large group teaching, small group ministry in a unified way that allows the fullness of the body of Christ to function and to shine as God has designed it. This is a vision for discipleship, that we would be one even as we disciple one another. Here's an example of how these pieces could be tied together. Maybe this will, will help um, uh, just flesh out what I mean. In a month or so, we're going to be offering a study on how to understand the Bible. Just kind of an introduction to understanding and learning to uh, know the Bible and love the Bible. And this is one of many studies that we have identified there's a need for. And so we want to provide this and... Um, As we've looked over our statement of faith as the Evangelical Free Church, we've highlighted areas where we believe uh, there's there's room for, there's a need for providing equipping in certain uh, areas, and this is one of them. So the content for this study is being carefully weighed against Scripture and overseen by our pastors and elders who have that responsibility to be in accordance with biblical truth. And we're going to be looking for individuals who would really benefit from growing in this area of understanding as a part of their discipleship. And we're also going to be looking for congregation uh, members who, who are further along in their life, uh, older and wiser, that we can connect with them as a, as a coach, as a mentor to go through this study together. And they'll have the chance to invest their personal life into them and to talk about how does this understanding transform who we are. So it's more than just information. It's, it's transformation. These individuals will be invited, matched up with a mentor. Um, it gives opportunity for those mentors to make disciples. The pastors will be involved shepherding the study and to encourage them. The ministry leaders, men's and women's college and youth, they might be involved with follow, follow up with these participants and encourage them toward further engagement in those ministries, will be on the same page, so to speak. So in just this little study that'll go for eight weeks, we seek to have an individual growing in their knowledge of Christ. We seek to have one-on-one mentoring, a focus on personal transformation, pastoral and elder leadership, unity of purpose between the ministries, an opportunity for disciples to make disciples, all in the context of our local church community. This is just one example of trying to tie these pieces together and to work together as a church in the discipling of people, and we're excited about it. We believe that discipleship connected to the unified life of the church will allow God's design of the local church to shine in all of its glory. There's a lot more to say and a lot to do, but let me, just, let me just wrap up this way. As we seek to make disciples who make disciples, the more we can do this as a church to function in unity, the more we will be saying that we trust God's design for his church. And in the end, the more glory he will receive for it. And that's what we want, isn't it? Don't we want the Lord to be glorified in us? as his church functions according to how he has designed it. So my challenge for you today, uh, there's three questions I have you just think about. Will you submit yourself 
to being a disciple of Jesus. Maybe even recommit yourself to being a disciple of Jesus. To deny yourself, pick up your cross, chase after him with everything you've got every day. We will seek to provide opportunities for you to grow as a church. We will seek to encourage you every step of the way. But that critical piece, have you set your heart on Christ above everything else? Second, will you avail yourself to invest into the lives of someone else, of others? You may be called upon to disciple someone in various ways. Will you live with a readiness to be a disciple who makes disciples? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have a seminary degree. But are you willing to take what God has taught you and invested in you and just share that with someone else to help them along their way? And third, will you, will you approach this? Will you do so as a part of this unified community and this local church that God has put together, following his design, looking to, to see every part doing its work rather than we just kind of go our own way and make it up as we go. We want this local church to function according to God's design, that we love one another, that we work together with each part, using their gifts, with each part, um, encouraging the others. We've been called to a great mission as a church, to make disciples who make disciples. And this will be for the rest of our lives or until the Lord returns. Let's turn our hearts to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and go after him with everything that we've got. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves to you and recognize that you are the the head of the church. You are... Lord, you are the designer of your church, the one who decided, um, Lord, that we would be a part of it and what gifts we would have and, and how it would all fit together. We want to honor you, Lord, by honoring what you have said and putting it into practice when you say that people will, will know that we are your disciples if we love one another, that each part has a responsibility to care for all of those uh, in their church family. Give us a heart to love one another, a heart uh, to be more like you. Lord, lead us to, um, to work together to make disciples who make disciples, to pursue this mission as a worshiping, growing, and serving fellowship united together in Jesus Christ. Lord, renew that passion in every one of our hearts to know Christ, to fellowship with you above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen.